G'day and welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson, CEO at NextGen Agri. At the Head Shepherd Podcast, we focus on all things livestock through the stories of the people that farm them and the people that study them and work with them on a daily basis. We get to work in amazing locations like I am today at Glenthorne Station here in the South Island of New Zealand. At NextGen Agri, our tagline is farming in our hearts, science in our heads. And we live that out every day and you'll certainly hear that coming out in the Head Shepherd podcast. Before we start today's episode, I really do want to thank again Allflex, our, our sponsors. Like the Head Shepherd podcast, Allflex has continued to evolve and now they've joined forces with MSD Animal Health. The combined forces is pretty exciting for Australasian agriculture. The science of, of healthier animals through through ID and, and through the through the animal health products like the Cooper's Range, which is an MSD product that we might be more familiar with. Really fantastic to have such a close alignment with those, those two companies now. Just really exciting to continue Head Shepherd. We've, we've gone past our 50 episodes. We're into season five now. Yeah, fantastic to see the podcast continue to grow. Thank you to all those supporters out there that continue to support us and, and continue to listen and, and give us feedback. It's, it's really is awesome. We better get on with the show. Welcome back to Head Shepherd. Really excited this week to have Sarah Nolette. Sarah's the uh, co-founder at Agthentic, CEO at Agthentic, and a great friend of mine. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me, Ferg. Awesome to have you along. Uh, I think this podcast is probably your fault. I started started this podcast based on the fact that you had a podcast and it seemed like a bit of fun. So uh, in, the, in the height of COVID last year, I decided I'd have a crack. So, so thanks for that inspiration. Yeah, well, you're welcome. I'm sure you're a more successful podcaster than I am now, uh, getting podcast famous, which is uh, always good. So, no, it's been great to see it come to life and uh, listen to a few episodes, uh, catch up with farmers uh, around the world. So, it's been awesome. Cool. So, um, I guess we normally start with a bit of background, and uh, by your accent, people will will be guessing that you're not from not from Australia or New Zealand, um, but uh, have spent a fair bit of time in in Australia and 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 sort of building up Authentic. But yeah, but What's, what's the story? What's Sarah Nollett? Yeah, so I am not Australian. Uh, I grew up in California, actually, and uh, in the tech world, so in Silicon Valley, uh, pretty proper Silicon Valley, sort of 10 minutes from Google and Facebook kind of deal, so a pretty crazy place to grow up. Uh, I ended up going out to the East Coast of the U.S. for school, for college, uh, or university. I should uh, speak more Australian. <laughs> Uh, and uh, studied computer science, ended up in the defense industry, building software to find bad guys, so military intelligence analysis systems, which was definitely not anything I expected to be doing. Um, got sort of tired of that after a few years. The tech was exciting, but I just didn't care about the sort of overarching mission uh, in a way that I wanted to get up and work hard every day. Uh, ended up going to South America on a holiday that turned into a gap year and sort of fell into agriculture as I was living on farms over there and uh, just got really hooked. And it connected a few dots for me. I had been an athlete my whole life, so I sort of cared about food. And we have a hobby farm in California that I spent time on in my teens and um, sort of made all the equipment my dad was trying to fix make sense once I saw what it was actually meant to be used for and uh, just got really excited about agriculture and went down the rabbit hole. And uh, that was about 10 years ago. Um, and in particular, like, ag 
like tech, so the new forms of technology and new uh, types of capital, venture capital uh, and and sort of innovation money coming into agriculture in a new way uh, really piqued my interest um, and connected a lot of dots for me in terms of my background and, and tech in Silicon Valley and was, I thought, part of what the future of agriculture would look like. So that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Um, Came to Australia six years ago uh, for personal reasons. My other half got a job here and I got lucky in, in getting to come over and live on the beach for a bit. And then really Australia was uh, great at agriculture and great at agricultural research, but there wasn't much in the way of commercialization. And that was something I had been working on and knew something about. So that was the beginning of Agthentic. Cool. So Agthentic today is uh, you've joined joined forces with, with none other than Matthew Pryor and a team around you now, but... Yeah, so so where are we at today? Yeah, so we're a team of uh, uh, seven, eight, seven, I think, and uh, we have two parts of the business. We have uh, the advisory part of the business where we help corporates and governments and investors to think about uh, and get involved with the future of technology in agriculture. So that's global and all across the value chain. So we would do work in, I mean, just this year in everything from cotton to red meat to alternative proteins. So all kind of areas of, of food and ag. And then we've got an investment arm as well. So we invest in early stage startups, uh, all in the ag tech space. And again, all along the value chain, those are predominantly in Australia. So we've made uh, eight investments so far in, in different startups. And then sitting around all of that is our podcast and blogs and all the content stuff that um has been great to to tell stories about what we do yeah no doubt there is some ag tech so what or plenty of ag tech so what listeners uh listening to this so it will obviously put the, the link to all that stuff in the show notes so people can, can people can find you if they haven't already they probably most people i talk to um have already already listening but <laughs> but uh maybe there's some out there that yeah haven't hit yet but uh yeah i mean the ag tech space when you first moved six years ago would have been yeah, bit of a desert, uh, and and where are we? Where are we at today in terms of innovation happening in Australian, uh, I guess, Australasian agriculture? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, innovation in ag's been happening for a long time, and and Australia and New Zealand have been leaders in that uh, for lots of reasons. But the pathway of startups that are funded by risk capital and really taking a big crack at it is pretty new for this part of the world in tech generally and then increasingly in ag tech. So, I mean, five years ago, I remember speaking at a conference and even the idea of an ag tech conference, people didn't really know what it was, like who would go, who would be there, why would you be there? It just wasn't really a term that people were using. And then talking about startups that were raising a bunch of money from Google Ventures or these investors who didn't know anything about ag and were building software and talking about machine learning and robotics, like it was all pretty new. And I remember being asked, uh, you know, do we need a fund here? Do we need money to come in in Australia alone and back startups here? And I was like, no, there's like not enough deal flow here. There aren't enough good innovations. You know, we've got a long way to go to build the ecosystem and make sure there are enough good investment opportunities uh, for the kind of shots on goal you need. And then a couple of years later, I had to sort of eat my socks and because I I was going to raise a fund and, and I didn't believe there was enough deal flow and we, we should actually have um, our own fund here. And that's really because the whole space grew exponentially over over that time period with uh, a lot of support from you know government and industry and also just um, new talent coming into this space saying, hey, I think we can make a difference in what the future of farming systems look like and bring in new kinds of technology. Um, so it's been pretty exciting. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I guess for those out there, what's, I guess, the traditional sort of pathway of innovation has been collect some levies for some growers, match it with a bit of government money, um, 
put some do some research, do some research yeah. for a, a decade or so, and then and then maybe someone thinks about sort of working out how we could commercially apply that. Um, I guess the new way is turn that on its head. Really talk to the talk to the people, the problem, and 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 then sort of find a solution back down the other way rather than sort of come up with random solutions that might not have a problem yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's you can criticize the tech world for maybe being a little too heavy on the tech sometimes and saying, you know, I've built this widget, like, why don't the farmers buy it? And and I get that. It's really frustrating. And we've seen too much of that. So I'm not saying that this new model is, you know, always good or the only model. Um, but yeah, in contrast to start at the research end and focus on, uh, you know, building the thing first and then figuring out if anyone wants it. This world starts with like, what are the problems and how might we solve them? And let's take the smallest bite at the apple possible to uh, start solving that problem and then build it up over time as we gain confidence that it really is solving the problem. And that's the power of software, right? Especially that's kind of where this world's come from is you can release a new version, you can get a new, um, you know, iteration out there and build new features and uh, can iterate really quickly, can build new versions and add more value and solve more parts of the problem. Uh, and that's really the power of this model. Yeah, cool. What are you, um, you're obviously making very important decisions about um, about which companies that you that you invest in um, between, and I'm, I don't know what that process looks like, but it'll be a long and, and thorough. What is the sort of criteria of, of, of companies that you would you would think uh consider to put in your portfolio yeah so it's crazy i mean i'm i'm in california right now and have been talking to some investors about how things are moving so quickly here and there's so much money in the market that people are having to make investment decisions in like 48 hours and so i feel like a dinosaur because we're way slower than that but you know i think it's also part of being responsible and being a sector specialist fund, like we only invest in ag, then we really want to know something about the space. And if we don't, then do the work to figure it out. So the way we think about it is um, called like opportunity. So uh, is the market big enough? You know, who are the competition? Who are the customers going to be? What problems do they have? And then the company. So how do they actually solve that problem? Who's their team? What technology do they have? How are they going to make money? And then the deal itself. So are the terms suitable for our mandate? How much money are they raising? What are they going to do with it? Uh, who else is investing, that kind of thing. So we kind of go through opportunity and company and deal and ultimately get to a decision. Um, we think probably more than others about team. We invest really early, so they might not have all of the product built. They might not have a bunch of revenue. And so we're not doing a bunch of spreadsheet analysis on projected cash flows because they just might not have that yet. And so it's all, all a guess. Um, so then we look a lot at, you know, how is the team tried to and hopefully succeeded in figuring out what the real problems are and do they really understand the customer and how the industry works and how they're going to make money. Because um, again, we've seen too much focus on the technology and the IP and who owns it and probably not enough on what's it actually going to do and who's going to pay for it. Yeah, cool. And so you've invested in quite a range of companies, blockchain, insect proteins, well, yeah, insects getting rid of waste, um, yeah, whole whole heap of different stuff, alternative proteins, robotics, Um that's quite a quite a range in the portfolio. Yes, it is. Uh, there's never a boring day. Uh, we, you know, I literally will spend a day uh, talking to farmers about how they're thinking about, I don't know, objective carcass 
data feedback coming back and what's that going to mean and then talking about vertical integration and then jumping ship to talk about algae farms and what are they going to do and where do they exist and what kinds of enzymes are going to be in them and does that go into burgers or animal feed and then jumping again to you know alternative proteins and how does the extrusion machine work and how are you going to sell it online and at what kind of and color box like there's really never a dull moment (laughs) (laughs) no that's not not everyone's day i'm sure the um uh, one of the programs that that was, I think, your brainchild, or at least the team's brainchild, was as Farmers to Founders, and um, that's a program I was a little bit involved with way back, and probably how we met, uh, or somewhere along those lines. Um, and yeah, I guess for those out there, I saw a round open at the moment. I think through AWI, maybe. What is so anyone is sort of interested in this space? How what's what does that program offer, and and why should they get involved? Yeah, so um, we that is how we met Ferg. Uh, the original version was through um, MLA, and and the vision is pretty much stayed the same around um, producers being part of innovation as more than just customers. There's a lot of talk out there around oh, you know, these laggards they're not adopting, or why aren't producers getting more involved? And and um, our belief was always that we need to start with the user and start with the problem and get producers more involved. So that was that was that what led to Farmers to Founders and um, was a series of innovation programs for uh, producers to get involved if they had an idea, if they wanted to get access to more technology. We actually decided earlier this year, uh, late last year, early this year, to um, divest our share in that business. So we don't run Farmers to Founders anymore. And we're not involved with it anymore more, um, really because one of the things we tell our startups, and it'd be true of anyone running a farming business, I'm sure, um, although that's not my area of expertise or places I should give advice, so caveat there, is focus, right? Like you can only do so many things and you're always limited by how many hours you have in a day. And so Matthew, my business partner, and I looked at each other and said, all right, we're trying to run three businesses. We're doing the advisory work. We're running the fund and making these investments. We've got the podcast. And then we're also running this um, Farmers to Founders business in in partnership with another uh, business. And it was just too much. And we said we can't do right by our clients and our investors trying to do too many things. So we decided to divest our share in Farmers to Founders. And uh, that has continued to run on and be successful. But we're no longer uh, involved. We're just cheering from the sidelines. Excellent. Probably should do my research properly before we run these interviews, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I wouldn't have expected you to. You used to be involved with it. That's all good. (laughs) Cool. I guess you, yeah, you know a lot about what's coming down the line in terms of ag tech. Is there, I don't know, what's the most exciting thing that's about to hit Australasian agriculture? Mm. Yeah, I mean, we I'll, I'll put a call out there if I can. Just we we have made two investments in the alternative protein space and we want to make an investment in the livestock space and um we haven't seen one yet and I think Australia and New Zealand are such a world-class place to be innovating um around livestock and so anyone who's working on ideas in that space please come talk to us because we do want to be investing in that area and see it as part of, you know, sustainability and climate solutions. Um one of the things we have been talking about a lot recently is remote sensing and how good satellites uh, are getting at collecting data. And I just think it's fascinating for agriculture because we've kind of lived in this world of being able to say, you know, oh, you you don't need to know what's happening on my farm or, um, you know, what I do here is my own business. And when we've got satellites that can collect data down at the, you know, 
couple millimeter, centimeter levels, that conversation's pretty much over. And that sounds scary in some ways, and I think it is in some ways, but it's also an opportunity to not have to deal with all the manual ways we collect data now and be able to unlock some serious power of analytics. Um, and so that's, you know, just what, what future does that create when we've got that kind of imagery? I know it's something you've thought a bit about. So that's that's one we're pretty excited about and lots of open questions. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't know what the numbers are, but there's swarms of satellites getting launched. And so, yeah, this sort of... The yeah, the opportunity to have coverage is just infinite, yeah, infinitely getting bigger and better, and yeah. So I guess our days of yeah, being able to hide and also having no connectivity are all sort of rapidly disappearing as all this stuff kicks into gear. So that's yeah, it means that we're designing in different ways because all of a sudden you can see stuff that's that we never had any opportunity to do that before. So I saw my uh, first swarm farm tractor bog the other day in a, in a paddock. You've uh, that's one of your one of your portfolio companies, obviously robotics is is uh, it's not the only tractor I've seen bogged in the paddock this year. There's lots of tractors bogged this year, so um, that's inevitably going to happen. But um, yeah, obviously robotics is a is a big a big part of our future. Yeah, I mean we we think it is, and and there's a bunch of ways it'll happen, right? Partial, uh, you know, taking something that's not autonomous and adding a bit of smarts to it so it can run partially autonomously or all the way to a full robot doing tasks and swarm farms. I think a good example of how we think about it, because it's like, what can autonomy unlock? Like, yes, you can do a job without a person, or yes, you can do this thing a little bit differently and save some time. But when you have autonomy, you can kind of open up whole new ways of of farming. So one of the examples is with something like precision um, or like spot spraying for for weed management. You know, it's pretty tough to think about going driving really slowly and putting that kit on and spraying. Like it's just you're just going to go out and spray, right? And so when you've got a robot that can do it, then it makes it a lot easier to just go out and spray slowly and with a camera that finds the weed and only sprays the weed. Yeah, okay, people are doing that now. But what about when you've got a piece of kit that goes on the back of that robot that mechanically chips away at the weed or the, a microwave that goes on the back of it that zaps the weed seed bank before it emerges? And so you get into this future of farming in pretty different ways than we do now, and all of that is unlocked by autonomy. And so that kind of digital transformation, to use some tech jargon, is what we spend a lot of time thinking about and how – autonomy will uh, unlock that and what it might look like. Yeah, I think it's that's I think the most exciting part for me is that future where you've got yeah, really essentially what we would now call organic or really sort of where you've got one person milling away and doing something really really specialist and producing this this food that somebody loves we'll be able to open that up at massive scale through robotics so it's sort of like where we've had to do that with chemicals and and large scale equipment and stuff and and that's obviously becoming less and less, um, less and less kosher in the world. And the, uh, yeah, the opportunity for robotics to really prepare food, produce animals, food, whatever, in in a really safe and and environmentally sustainable, friendly, all that sort of stuff is is pretty exciting. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of comes back full circle to what we were talking about before, Ferg. Where we, some of what we invest in is software, and a lot of 
venture capitalists only invest in software. We believe that in agriculture especially, like you have to have a hardware component to many things because you are talking about physical animals and plants and supply chains and goods that have to move around and stuff that can't kill people because it needs to be safe and produce well. And so um, that means investing in hardware. And so we end up sort of in agriculture rooms being like weird because we're doing tech and using all these buzzwords. And then in venture capital rooms being weird because we talk about animals and hardware and all this stuff that they sort of hate. So um, yeah, that that ends up making us a little bit unique, but that's definitely the fun part of, of what we do and where we see the opportunities. Yeah, big time. And as someone who's trying to invest in hardware at the moment, it's certainly the most painful. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's certainly, uh, yeah, has caused me no end of grief. But anyway, it's, uh, yeah, you do, unfortunately, no one's out there building stuff that does work on farms in the way that we need it to work. So you kind of got to roll up your sleeves and get into it. Yeah. And going back to like the ecosystem point, that's sort of where we're at is we we have to go through some of those hard yards ourselves and people like you and many others laying that groundwork to get some of the basic capabilities, whether it's connectivity through satellites or um, kit that can be in a paddock and work. You know, we, we haven't had that yet. And we're on the brink of having that at costs that make sense. Uh, and so it's, it's exciting times ahead uh, now that we're starting to get there. Cool. So how far away from closing closing around or have you that's all well, you've closed yeah, around so, but you're just investing now yeah that's right so we um we raised the first fund so we we closed that off at 35 million uh we'll make about 15 uh invest in about 15 companies out of that fund uh we just approved our eighth maybe our ninth and tenth here coming up soon um so it just seems crazy it's it's flown by you know we spent so much time thinking about what it would be like to be able to invest in these companies and now like almost two thirds of the way through. Um, so yeah, that probably will mean a, a second fund um, sometime in the future. And we're starting to think about, you know, what, what that would be like. Really, we want to earn the right to be able to have those conversations because we want to um, prove out the impact and, and return potential of the investments we have made. And, um, you know, these things take time and uh, it's it's been going really well. And so we're excited to be able to start talking more about that in the future. Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, yeah, we were sitting sitting around somewhere when it was very early embryonic stages of the con- of the of the conversation and it was all just in the head with, a, with maybe a name for it and that was about it and now it's now it's real it's so cool yeah you saw i mean literally some of the like whiteboard or like pieces of giant construction paper with post-its on it that i'm sure were ridiculous actually i remember you might not remember this Ferg, but sitting at a kitchen table of of a um of a farmer and we were really excited about having farmers involved and you sort of helped me to tee up this moment where they asked me oh well you know if I was thinking about ag tech what should I do which like should have been the perfect question for like here's the pitch of how you could get involved with us right and I just so completely bobbled it I just remember like talking in some circle about like ag tech in the future and innovation and you being like why have I brought this human to this dinner table like she's such an idiot I'm sure uh and this this poor girl was like oh um Interesting. So for the weather, like it's just complete subject change. Um, so I have you to thank for some of those early conversations uh, that helped me to actually be able to talk about what we do in ways that make sense. Luckily, I have no recollection of that moment. So. <laughs> there might have been wine or beer involved, possibly. I'm not sure. It's a small chance if you and I were both there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. That was fantastic to hear your success there. And uh, yeah, we're look- looking forward to um one day we'll actually get get face to face and catch up again. It's been it's been a tough, interesting couple of years, but anyway, that's that's for everybody. So yeah, no, all the very best with uh, ag thinning. Looking forward to it to the major play it's going to have in Australia and well, world agriculture in the in the future. 
That's the plan. Thank you so much. And uh, congrats on the podcast and all the work you do. I'm sure we'll talk about it more soon. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening into this episode of Season 5 of the Head Shepherd Podcast. A big thanks to the talented Sophie Barnes for producing this podcast. It's not easy to make me sound sensible every week, but Sophie does a fantastic job. Thanks again to our friends at Allflex. They're wonderful supporters of the Australian and New Zealand livestock industries. Now combined with MSD Animal Health, they offer one of New Zealand and Australia's largest livestock product portfolios. They've joined forces to focus on animal health and management, and their products are all backed up by that exceptional service that we know them for. We really do enjoy our long-term association with Allflex and sincerely thank them for sponsoring this episode. And that's over and out at the Head Shepherd Podcast.